Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Oh, I just love that, Kevin. Thank you so very, very much. Uh, yes. Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Ty Jones. He is an NAACP and Obie Award-winning actor, perhaps best known for his role as the star's show power uh, uh, agent, and uh, we'll talk about that. And he's the producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem. These outdoor productions in Harlem's Marcus Garvey Park, known as their Uptown Shakespeare in the Park series, are free to the public. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Ty Jones is What's Hot. How are you, Ty? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm humbled. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, hey, you know, there's so much more to say about you, and which we'll get to. So uh, I, I'm just happy that you uh, were able to uh, to uh, spend a little time with us today. Uh, you know, you were well, only somebody uh, like you, G. Keith, could, could get me to hang out at uh, <laughs> one o'clock after our benefit last night. So uh, I woke up this morning. You know, you know how it is doing all the speeches and stuff oh, yeah, like sure. that. I had a frog in my throat. I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go, but. I got my things warmed up, got the vocal cords warmed up, and I'm here. So I'm, I'm, I'm humbled that you would even ask me to be a part of this. So thank you. Well, you're quite welcome. So uh, mentioning the benefit, we might as well tell our audience what you had a benefit for, okay? Yeah. So uh, I, as G. Keith said, I'm the producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem, and uh, we had our benefit last night. And, um, you know, instead of doing your traditional gala where you have, you know, you sit down, have some rubber chicken, and have some speeches – we actually do a poker tournament. So we do a Hold'em in Harlem poker, poker, poker tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, our plan was to do it on a rooftop yesterday, but um, uh, the days before they said that there was a possibility of some inclement weather and we couldn't take that chance. So we moved it indoors to uh, Harlem WeWork, which is where our offices are. Uh, and we used that space uh, to put 10 tables up and, and had a, a fantastic evening um, of playing Hold'em in Harlem. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, it's, it's, and it's great. It's festive and it's fun. We had open bar, uh, food, uh, it's catered. Uh, Andre Brower, uh, the star of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And if you guys remember Homicide, Life on the Streets, uh, my favorite that I think I've ever seen him do was Glory, though. Um, mm -hmm. And I was there. Uh, and, um, and really back in the day, Revenge of the Nerds. And, of course, <laughs> ER. He, he, had, he had several seasons on ER was there, uh, Dr. April Spencer, uh, who's, uh, the, the, she's gonna be known as America's Surgeon. I believe she's gonna be, uh, she's in talks right now with BET to do a show, but she's, uh, she's a breast cancer surgeon. Uh, she has two clinics down in Atlanta. Uh, when she, um, uh, if you remember when uh, Senator John Lewis passed away, yes. uh, they had to fill his seat. She was considered, uh, to, uh, she was in consideration of taking a seat. So she was there. Um, dot com if you guys remember watching uh, uh 30 rock was there so we had some good good guests last night some fun playing and um i'll find out hopefully within the next uh hour or so how much money we made but if anything <laughs> it, you know it's also about visibility for cth 
the great thing about a poker tournament is that it sort of opens up um, you know, the doors, it, it, it isn't just theater people, you, you know, you got some bankers that'll show up, some lawyers that'll show up. And if I can, you know, have people who have access to deeper pools of funding in the room, having a good time, uh, then hopefully we can enroll them down the line. Fantastic. Well, okay. So before we go further with uh, CTH, which is the classical, uh, theater of Harlem, let us take the Wayback machine and yeah. find out what it was like growing up as little Ty Jones. Yeah, so I'm a military brat. My mother was in the military for 22 years. Uh, uh, she, she and my, 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 I was born in East New York in Brooklyn, and my mom and dad split when I was about five, and that's when my mother joined the military. And then from there, you know, I, I'm from, you know, black, black East New York. We moved to, you know, Knob Nostra, Missouri at Whiteman Air Force Base, where I was a raisin in the oatmeal. So it was a, you know, <laughs> big, 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 big change there. But then we moved to Germany for three years, uh, Texas three years, Dover, Delaware three years. And then I went to undergrad and graduate school at Delaware. My mother had gone back to Germany to work for the European Stars and Stripes. And, um, and then she ended up coming back to New York to retire, working at Fort Hamilton. She was the uh, head of PR for Fleet Week mm, uh, really? before she retired. And then uh, she retired back to the St. Louis area where a big chunk of our family, at least on my mom's side of the family, you know, lives in the St. Louis area. So she's near Scott Air Force Base there now. Um, but, um, you know, I... I while I was in undergrad at Delaware, I met a gentleman, many of your, your, your listeners and viewers probably know an actor named Steve Harris. He played, um, uh, uh, yeah, he was, he was on a television mm -hmm. show called The Practice for several mm -hmm. seasons. Uh, I think he did, you know, for the Tyler Perry's first uh, Medea movie, I believe he did. Um, but Steve was attending University of Delaware at that time. Uh, he was in the grad program. I was in an undergraduate. I was a communications major. I used to say stuff like I was going to take over Brian Gubble's job once uh, I got done with school. Um, but um, he he encouraged me to consider the the theater program, the graduate theater program there. It was called the Professional Theater Training Program. Um, and uh, he said, you should audition for it. Uh, you, you'd be a, a great candidate. You know, so I was like, okay, being an actor, you know, doing Shakespeare. I don't know what that's about, but, you know, Steve, Steve, um, uh, I, uh, I, I felt like he had my best interest, you know, at heart. So he helped me memorize uh, Edmund from King Lear because it was nice and short. Him mm -hmm. and a brother named Hassin Elamin, who was also in class with him. And, and, um, and the funny thing is that my mom uh, used to make me at every single uh, air base that we were stationed at. She made me perform something or do <laughs> something for Black History Month. So um, on, on every base, they have what's called an NCO club, non-commissioned officers club. And mm -hmm. so uh, my mom was, uh, frankly, pretty popular on base because she usually was the editor of the newspaper at whatever base that, that, that we were stationed at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all the news went through my mom, basically, and on every base. So, of course, you know, uh, during Black History Month, you know, something at the NCO club, Jimmy Jones's son, Tyron <laughs> Jones, is going to blah, 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 blah. So... One of the things, and I think you probably know about this, G. Keith, you know, uh, uh, James Weldon Johnson, you know, a luminary from the Black, uh, from the from the Harlem Renaissance. Mm -hmm. uh, forgive me, forgive me. Uh, that I've tried to turn off everything. Uh, so um, uh, he has a, a book called God's Trombones, where he has these seven sermons. One of them is called the Creation, right? Yes. And any kid that went to Sunday school, any black kid at least went to Sunday school, probably had to learn a piece of the Creation. And guess what? I was one of them. So um, I know the entire, you know, my mom made me, I had to memorize that when I was nine years old. So I knew it. I've known it since I was nine. 
And, you know, every now and again during a speech competition in high school or something like that, some forensics competition, I'd pull it out and, you know, and give it my all. And, and I actually won a couple competitions doing it. So long story short, I still know that to this day, 40 years later. I know that. I know that piece. And I knew it as an audition piece for the program. So I, I had the creation and then I did um, uh, Edmund from King Lear. I got into the program. So now I'm getting my master's in fine arts and classical theater from the University of Delaware, Beautiful. which was uh, extraordinary. And, um, and I think you know this. I ended up being the commencement speaker last year, and I as well received my doctorate from there as well. And uh, I enjoy uh, calling you Dr. Jones. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, once I've graduated from the graduate program, I've worked uh, in theater pretty consistently. Uh, Ended up in New York in 1995-ish, 6-ish, reunited with my father. Mm. Uh, um, and then uh, had some success regionally. Uh, was introduced to Classical Theater of Harlem around 2002, 2003 through another actor buddy of mine. Uh, they hired me for a show. I ended up winning an Obie Award. And then from there on, I did like 11 other productions. Uh, got some recognition for it. Loved what was happening because most of the people on stage look like me. A lot of people in the audience look like a subway car. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. um, it it's a lot different in the regionals. It's not the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then when 2009 hit, the financial crisis hit, it, it, it sort of uh, 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 exposed our deficits in terms of where we were financially, uh, as well as a deficit of leadership. And that's when I stepped up because uh, the place was about to close down. We were about $400,000 in debt. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that this, 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 this theater company stayed alive. Um, I knew what it felt like um, being out there in the regionals. And I won't complain. It's not a complaint. You know, but if we were doing, like, Romeo and Juliet, it was fine if I um, auditioned for Benvolio or Tybalt, but never mm -hmm. for Romeo, right? No right, one wanted right. to let me, carry the, let me carry the show. Coming to Classical Theater of Harlem, I had that opportunity. And uh, oh. so playing, you know, roles like Menelaus and things like this, you know, Macbeth, that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unless I had a, a profiled name or higher profiled name, you mm -hmm. don't get that many opportunities. You don't get those kinds of opportunities in the regionals. Right. right. So I, that's what I loved. I love being able to do these great plays by Shakespeare, Ibsen, Chekhov, Shaw, Congreve, Sheridan, uh, Hughes and, and even, you know, August Wilson, all that, that stuff. And, you know, um, and do it in front of, you know, an audience of people that are quite diverse. That That's something that I, I loved about it, and I didn't want it to go away. Wow. And so that's when I, I joined in, and I, I basically was the board chair and development director, managing director. I did every, I wore every single hat for several years. Finally got us out of debt, about 400 grand worth of debt. Uh, so, uh, and now we're in a place where I ain't, I, I ain't gonna lie, G. Keith, these last two years, uh, I want us to have a home. That's mm -hmm. what it comes mm -hmm. down to now. And, you know, it's, it, real estate is difficult, especially if you want to stay in a catchment area in Harlem because we're called the Classical Theater of Harlem. Um, you know, what I'd love to do is be able to find some anchor partners. I've already been talking to Harlem Opera and Harlem mm -hmm. Chamber players. You know, what if we could have um, these three venerable organizations who have been resourceful with the very few resources that we have uh, and, and to, to get a home? You know, so it's not a vanity project about CTH or Ty Jones. It's about having like a, a Harlem classical arts complex. You know what I mean? So that the 10 year old version of all of us has, a, you know, have an artistic home because we know how to bring the excellence. 
how they use us all the time, right? That's so. right. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. You know, I was reading a, a Forbes article on you, and, and Forbes magazine said that uh, you, uh, you you now have an operating budget of about a million bucks. Uh, well, now, and- now that yeah, it's a little bit more now. We're more we're closer to two now. Beautiful, and yep. and not, not only that, but because of your dedication to the classical theater of Harlem, you worked pro bono for about ten years. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, I actually was able to win a grant that allowed me to hire a managing director and a development director. So they had full salaries and benefits before I did. Now, let me let's be crystal clear. I made my living as an actor, though. So you know, voiceovers, uh, mm-hmm. commercials, some TV, some film. So I was able to, you know pay my bills. I got three kids, you know, stuff like that. You know, and I don't come from any generational wealth. You know, I'm a worker. That's what I am. And so, yeah, I was able to do that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. For about 10 years, did that did for about 10 years. Uh, didn't take any salary whatsoever, but you know, you know how it is G Keith with the startup kind of, it's, it's a startup mentality that there's no such thing as a 40 hour work week. When you have a startup right. mentality, you know, none of that exists. You, you, the baby needs to be fed. You get the work done. It's all there That's is to right. it. And um, we're, we're, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I, I was going to say I know exactly what you mean because we're, we're building Harlem America Digital Network. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm I, there's no uh, I'm I'm doing it pro bono actually. You That's know, right. th- th- there's no real finance coming in yet because I haven't started selling the the content. programs and things, yeah, yeah. the content that we. Yeah. Uh, I'm just building it right now, so I know exactly what you mean. And there's no eight hour days. It's it's you know mm-hmm. sometimes twenty hour. Days, That's right. You know? uh, but it's a commitment that you enjoy, something that you love, something you Amen. enjoy. So tell uh, the folks, tell them a little bit about the Classical Theater of Harlem, because we've got people, you know, listening who are outside of Harlem. They're across the country and and we get people listening from uh, yeah. overseas uh, and we want to give them reasons to come to Harlem when they visit from wherever country they come from. We know that prior to the pandemic, we had 61 million visitors came to New York. So a lot of those people, we need to give them reasons to come up to Harlem to, to, to check Amen. out our attractions. So tell them a little bit about the Classical Theater of Harlem. Yeah, so Classical Theater of Harlem, we call ourselves CTH as well. Uh, we like to tell stories through the lens of the, the Black diaspora. Um, we combine original adaptations, music, and dance to present great classics of world literature. And we also do contemporary works as well, um, uh, you know, that'll stand the test of time. We actually have a reading series called Future Classics. And these are plays that we think, if indeed they stand the, te- they stand the test of time, they will become classics. So uh, we were founded in uh, 99, 1999 at, at Harlem School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, you know, presented a range of works from, you know, Chekhov and Euripides, Shakespeare, uh, and to 20th century playwrights like August Wilson, uh, Langston Hughes, Jean Genet. Uh, and we also do, you know, like I said, uh, plays by emerging playwrights like Dominique Morisseau, who uh, was the writer of uh, uh, a Tony winning production called uh, Ain't Too Proud on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also worked with other folks like uh, Katori Hall, who is the showrunner of a show called uh, P-Valley on Stars Network, and Kemp Powers, who was the, uh, create, the writer of, um, of, of Soul. I also believe he's the executive producer of that as well. Uh, if you guys remember One Night in Miami, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, he was a writer of that and the upcoming, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. He'll be writing that as well. So he also was part of our future classics, uh, uh, program. Um, 
Uh, we provide also theater-based training and, and uh, live theater experiences for Harlem youth uh, through our education program. We call it Project Classics. Uh, so like this summer, we, have, uh, a dream, we work with Dream Center, a, a free theater program for, uh, for six weeks this summer. And I mean free. Um, and we also uh, incorporate other theater-related programming, uh, like I talked about with Future Classics. Um, uh, we also have a thing called Playwrights Playground. So those of you out there that are trying to, you know, figure out whether or not you're a writer, uh, if you have like 10 to 15 pages of something on the evening that we do Playwright, Playwrights Playground, um, um, the woman who runs that is a woman named Sean Renee Graham. She, she, she runs our, she's the director of our literary projects. Uh, of course, there's a lot of people who submit these things, but what we generally do is choose about five of these pieces. You do not have to be an established writer and actors will show up. Uh, uh, that evening, and we pick those actors to do cold readings of these, you know, 15, 10 to 15 pages, so people can kind of hear their voice and, um, and then get some constructive feedback. Um, we serve about uh, 20,000 live audience folks, uh, uh, and of course, because of the pandemic, we have uh, new online offerings that have drawn, you know, well over a half a million v viewers. So uh, that, that, in a nutshell, is who we are. Well, that's uh, quite an extensive uh, array of programs and uh, we want to take a short break right now and we'll come back to talk to Ty Jones, the artistic director, producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to go to harlemamerica.com for some of our radio podcasts and some of our Harlem America TV shows and some of the wonderful articles that we have. And uh, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. 
To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at parliamamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you so very much. I'm here with the artistic uh, director of the uh, Classical Theater of Harlem. And before we get into your artistic credits, tell us what's happening in July. In July, the Classical Theater of Harlem will be presenting Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare, directed by the inimitable Carl Cofield, CTH's uh, uh, associate artistic director. And he happens, just happens to be the chair of the NYU grad acting program. Um, it's going to be starring uh, uh, Carrie Young. If you guys uh, are into theater here, Carrie Young just received a Tony nomination for her uh, role in Clyde's. So we're going to be very, very excited uh, about what's going to be happening this summer. So when we and, come and it'll on... take place at Marcus Garvey Park right there in central Harlem, uh, the Richard Rogers Amphitheater. Uh, we'll run from uh, July uh, 8th through July 29th, uh, 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 Tuesday through Sunday. 8.30 shows. And it's all free. Free. And I really free. mean free. No barriers to access whatsoever. You can come in with your children and your strollers, and there's actual seats, all that stuff. It is a fantastic uh, uh, evening. And there will be on certain nights, um, We what we do is to make sure, I do this on purpose because, you know, Department of Parks and Recreation can be, can be particular about things. We have pre-shows on a number of nights. So, for example, on Friday nights, we have Jazzmobile. So Robin, uh, uh, who leads that. Yeah, uh, Robin Bell. Yeah, Robin Bell Stevens. Yep, it's mm -hmm. a fantastic evening to have jazz and theater. Uh, and then some other nights, we'll, uh, we're looking to have Harlem Opera, uh, the Harlem Chamber Players as well, uh, the Young People's Chorus of New York City, and the Chamber uh, uh, Music Center of New York City as well. So these will be pre-shows uh, before our shows. Uh, because the truth is you need to have the support of other cultural institutions uh, 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 when you are essentially saying that, you know, arts matters, right? Um, the other thing we're going to be working on this year, I don't know, G. Keith, if you know about this, but on 34th and 6th Avenue during the summer times, Herald Square does this sort of bazaar where, you know, there are, you know, pop-up, Oh, uh, yes, vendors okay. and stuff like that. Yes, it is gorgeous. Yes. And they have such a great selection of foods and things like that. I want that same thing uptown in Harlem. So on those pa that pathways, yes. I want those vendors set up so it's a destination event. So we're going to start trying it this year. Uh, I believe we're doing it Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. If I'm incorrect, it might be Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, where we'll have vendors. You know, it, we won't be populating the entire path of, um, of Marcus Garvey Park, but mm -hmm. we'll have a few. Uh, we want this to start as a pilot program. Let's see how this works. And uh, but ultimately, I want us to have what what you know, look look. I know it's ambitious, but why not? You, you probably have seen Winter uh, Wonderland uh, that Brian Park does yes. during December. You know that that is on a whole nother level, right? But I think yeah, that you know. It but it, but I think that that is something aspirational to go for during the summer times in July when you guys are coming when you all are coming to see our show. I want to have those vendors lined up so so that Harlem has its own sort of uh, destination event that's similar to what Bank of America does at Bryant Park or what uh, Herald Square does during the summertime. Well, if Harlem America Digital Network can help you promote it, you let us know. Okay. Oh, I will. You bet. <laughs> Fantastic. Beautiful. So. Uh... The other thing I wanted to ask is uh, all of this wonderful, these performances, have you had a chance to actually videotape any of it? 
Yeah, so there's a that's really interesting. Things have shifted a bit now, I think, since um, uh, since what's been going on the last two years, where you know actors' equity is being a, a, a little bit better about allowing us to capture our treasures. But for years before that, you know, if you were uh, an institution or Broadway, you know, you you were able and afforded the opportunity to record your shows. And I've always had a problem with that with equity. I always thought that, uh, especially for organizations like Classical Theater of Harlem, um, I, I thought it was unfair in terms of, uh, of equity. So for example, they, meaning Broadway or the public or Lincoln Center, these high profile institutions that have been around a long time, uh, and look, they deserve to be able to capture their treasures, but so do we. Mm-hmm. We should be able to capture all of our treasures as well, I should be able to have a production of the blacks, which hadn't been done in 30 years to be able to show folks who might be in a theater course. And they're talking about theater of the absurd or theater of cruelty. There's no better example than the production that we did of the blacks. But because of uh, union rules, actors, equity association rules, it it clamped down on us or, or made it impossible or financially impossible for us to be able to capture it in a way that, uh, that the bigger institutions could. So I think that things are shifting around and uh, uh, you know, we will be recording our content uh, because now uh, there's a new world where you know, live things are uh, being integrated with things that are online. I am not interested in becoming a, a, a sort of a, a, an online, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not interested in capturing theater for online viewers. I believe that theater is about us coming together you know, with no agenda that, uh, at all other than the art and when you come together, that's when magic can happen. Hmm. That's when the conversations to move us forward can happen. And I believe that all progress begins with a conversation. So I'm all about live performances. Um, uh, you know, because of what's happened the last couple of years, I understand the need to, to pivot. And, and if you're going to be successful in business, you have to be able to adapt. So right. I'm, I'm happy to say that CTH has, has done that, uh, though I don't want that to be our primary focus by any stretch of the imagination. There are plenty. Of, go watch Netflix. <laughs> so, so there, there are folks in our audience who uh, have a love for the theater, and especially uh, a theater of uh, theater company of your magnitude. Um, how can they reach you if they want to contribute or or, or help in any way? Ah, thank you. You can go directly to our website at cthnyc.org. Cth like classical theater Harlem. NYC, like New York City, .org. And you go to the site, on the left-hand side, you'll see support or donate. Click that, and that's how you can directly support us. Of course, we do have uh, Venmo, uh, uh, which is Classical Theater of Harlem, all one word, theater spelled with an R-E. We have PayPal, which is uh, cth2011 at gmail.com. And I think those... Oh. And I've already mentioned how you could go to our website, which is Kindful. So, yeah, we're doing everything we possibly can to, to find any way to uh, create a pipeline for money to come into the organization. <laughs> okay. So now, you know, you, um, there's this program called Power, and there are like three iterations <laughs> of it. Yeah. And uh, you spent, uh, let's see, the first from, from second season to the fifth season, right? Sixth uh, season. So to, to the, the finale. Season. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So y- you were a uh, starring role on there. You played the uh, uh, agent uh, Donovan. Yes, I did. Tell, agent, t- tell agent us about Jerry that. Donovan. 
tell us about that experience. Tell us about working on power. Tell us about working with uh, 50 Cent. Tell us, yeah. you know, all of that. So let me let me say this about 50 Cent. The, the, I think the reason why he's so successful is that he knows exactly uh, his niche and he's unapologetic about that niche. And um, uh, and he'll do whatever he needs to do to, to exploit that, not exploit that in a bad way, but in, the, in order to uh, get the projects off the ground that he's interested in. Um, he, he knows it and, and he knows it and he's authentic. People believe him. You know, uh, this isn't some sort of Macklemore, you know, vanilla ice types that he he actually is authentic in in uh, in, in the culture in that way. Uh, if that's if that's the kind of things you want to consume. Um, and I think that's why it's really successful. Um, my experience on it, um, I would never I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, watching how television works. Uh, watching Courtney Kemp behind the scenes, who's extraordinary. I used to say things like, "She is the uh, she's the Shonda Rhimes of cable TV." That this is a uh, a uniquely intelligent woman uh, about about this business and how she is able to take all those personalities and and manage it is magical. She's she's great about that. Um, and so I I think honestly, it's more of the well, it's really odd. It was much more the technical aspect of watching a TV show come together is what really uh, 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 had me enjoy my time there. Um, you know, I played the character. It was fine. It's TV. I played a cop, played, a, you know, it, it, you know, I played a federal agent. Uh, it is what it is. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there was some great, you know, uh, drama on the show. It did raise my profile a little bit um, as an actor. And, and that's what we want as actors. Right. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And, you know, what I hope is that some of the writers with whom I worked on the show will be working on other projects and will think of me for, the, for, those, for those other projects. Um, it's, it, it reinvigorated my desire to get back to writing. So before I took over CTH, I actually did some decent writing. I, uh, I was a finalist in the Sundance Feature Film Institute program mm. with a screenplay that I wrote called Emancipation. Mm -hmm. um, it's about the Nat Turner Rebellion. Uh, I ended up making that into a play. I was encouraged by the, the Lark Theater to make it into a play. I did. And when we did the play, we actually were able to do it at um, the Shabazz Center. I'm sure many of your listeners and viewers know that the Shabazz Center, the Audubon Ballroom, is where uh, Malcolm, Malcolm uh, X was assassinated. Right. And uh, so to be able to do a piece about Nat Turner in that space was special. It was, <laughs> I'll never be able to, uh, uh, I, it's going to be hard to top that one. Let me tell you, I had imams show up. And, really? you know, I'm, I can I can handle myself. Don't get me wrong. I feel like um, I'm pretty confident in that space. Those imams show up and they come in the full regalia. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. man, I'm about to get a they're going to chew me a new one. They were like, <laughs> you can't take one of my heroes, Nat Turner, and turn them into a little play up. And, you know, I was waiting for it. I, I was one time I was like, oh, man, you know, but uh, this imam, he came and, you know, he was like six foot four. And he had the regalia on. So he was like, and he had to sit down and he kept the regalia on. Thankfully, mm -hmm. he sat in a place where he didn't block people, but he kept everything on. So he was like seven feet tall. And he, you could see in his eyes, he was like, you, you bet not, you bet not <laughs> to smirch Matt Turner. You know, you could just tell. And at the end, he was the first one on his feet. He came back, brought his family, brought his mom, his great. I mean, I was just like, uh, and I believe that Malcolm X's uh, bodyguard showed up to come see the play. Uh, we had a great New York Times review. Uh, Ilyasha Sabaz, uh, I'm you know close with now. She thoroughly enjoyed it herself. 
So um, I want to bring the play back one day. Um, I'd love to do it as a co-production with another theater downtown. Uh, but um, man, man, it, it, it was an extraordinary experience doing, doing that play there. Anyway, the point is, is that I'd love to be able to get back to writing, being on power, uh, uh, sort of, uh, it's the spark that put the flame in motion for me to get back to writing. So I've been, you know, doing some writing. I, I think now because, uh, you know, your, your profile changes as you get a little older in this business. So I think I might be able to call some folks uh, uh, in the business to be able to pitch some ideas that I think uh, are now much more uh, available to at least there's a, there's at one point in time writing a, a piece about a black slave rebellion. Nobody really wanted to hear. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, now people are willing to see those kinds of, uh, movies and plays and, um, and, and the way that I, the take that I have on, on Nat Turner, I think will, the, the masses will love. So, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, some of the writing projects and some of the people that are, uh, with whom I've worked, uh, we might be able to get to a development person, you know, in all these different platforms, Netflix, Amazon, Apple TV, or something like that to maybe get some of these writing projects off the ground. So that's, that's what I really took away from being on power was that aspect of it. Wow. Well, can you tell me a little funny anecdote or funny story that uh, you remember from having worked on uh, power or worked with the crew? Well, I do. Let me give you, uh, uh, let me give you one about another one, uh, okay. another piece. So there was a movie called the taking of Pelham one, two, three with Denzel Washington and, and John Travolta. Those were the stars. Mm -hmm. And so Tony Scott was the director of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if people remember, but there was a sniper, uh, uh, in the in the in the movie, that misfired and shot the wrong person. Shot Luis Guzman, that, that his, his role, and it was a misfire. And that's when everything took off. That's when all hell broke loose. And so I was the sniper in that. So oh, it was yeah. a really you know. And and fortunately, I did. I, I've done some gun training and stuff like that. So I I, I knew what I was doing, and um, my scene was about to be uh, come up, and we actually did shoot it. In, in, the, in, in the bowels of the New York City subway system. We were off of Skirmerhorn. Uh, mm. That's where we shot it. And I had to take classes and stuff like that about being on tracks. It, it, it's, um, it's, it gives you a newfound respect about what these trains can do and, what, and, and the system that's built underneath you, New York City. Anyway, mm. uh, uh, my scene is coming up. And the scene is basically me, you know? Uh, um, so Tony uh, is screaming at everybody, shut up, I'm talking, we have to get this right. And he's like yelling at every single person. So I'm just sitting there like, what, what, what happened? You know, because mm -hmm. I didn't see him do this, you know, for any other scene. So he's like, Ty, come here, come here, Ty. Now, you know, you'll have to do this. You, 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 you just can't do it this way. Because if we do, the angle will be wrong. Do you understand? And he's like, and I'm like, <laughs> so um, he goes through this whole thing, screaming, yelling everybody's like on eggshells and I'm like nervous. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, I don't get nervous. I'm all nervous and shit, you know? And then um, he goes, do you understand my instruction time? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, th this is the final instruction. And he's like, don't fuck up. Let's do. So he's fucking with me. Excuse my language. He's screwing with me the whole time. The whole time he was messing with me. He was just like, no, nah, man, get down there. Do your thing. Once, once he did that, he's like, get down there, do your thing. You know, what, what, how are you comfortable? Get however comfortable you want to get. And, he, and then he made sure the cameras did what I needed them to do. You know, the way I was sitting, the way I was mm -hmm. looking at the, the scope and all that stuff. You know, he was like, whatever Ty needs, make sure the camera's here. Blah, blah. You, you're comfortable, Ty? All right, let's do the scene. Like, you know, but he did this whole thing where uh, he, he, it was dramatic. 
for a good three or four minutes of screaming and da 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 and I'm like, what, what, you know, and just to, just to him to say, don't fuck up, that was the main instruction, and, and then, you know, and I was like, must be nice to take that much time to mess with people. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. But, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think when you when you took the shot, you shot the the guy. He was the train conductor. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I was supposed to shoot John Travolta, the bad yeah, guy, yeah. and then a rat bit my leg. Right. And I then when the rat bit my leg, I misfired. Right. Okay. In the movie. And then that, that led to the mayhem afterwards. So... Mm -hmm. Wow, incredible. So, all yeah. right, so so let us now, I, I just want to, for those uh, folks listening and those folks who are aware of you and the ones who aren't, uh, I'd like to list some of your artistic credits. They include uh, include Broadway, The Great Society, Enron, the, yep. the movie, I guess. And then no, 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 it was a play. It was, it a, was play. a play? Yeah, Broadway okay. show. Yeah. And what about Judgment at Nuremberg? Yeah. That was that was my first Broadway show. Yeah. Oh, that was a Broadway show too. Yeah, but mm -hmm. wasn't there a movie also? Uh... Oh yeah, Judgment at Nuremberg was a fantastic movie. Yep. Right. Okay. And then also you've done um, Julius Caesar, Henry yep. the Fourth. You've done The Blacks, uh, Macbeth, yep. uh, Antigon, Henry the Fifth, uh, Emancipation. Uh, you've done the uh, blacklist. You've done. Uh, let's see what else. Um, all the law and orders. <laughs> all the law and orders, right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, my niece loves the uh, Clifford and the Big Red Dog. So you've done that. Oh, as good, well. good. Yeah, that that just came out about six months ago. That was fun. I had a good time with that. Wow. In fact, yeah. I remember her asking me. Uh, she says, "Uncle Keith, you're up there in New York. Have you seen the big red dog, Clifford? The big red dog." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did a great job with that CGI. It looked like a dog, a big old twenty-five foot dog. They did a great job with it. And I, you know, with those kinds of movies, sometimes they can have that little saccharine feel to them. Mm -hmm. I thought they did a good job. It was heartfelt. I was I was pleasantly surprised. You know my own kids enjoyed it you know and it's one of the things that my kids can actually watch that i do so it's kind of a big red dog so uh you got any projects coming up outside of uh the uh, classical theater of harlem or do you have that time to, to yeah to do you want me to talk to, talk about it on the other side uh okay so yeah yes yeah, so i'll give you the little hint side. it's called monte cristo animated okay. classics and i'll i'll get into it on the other side of this Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, we are with Ty Jones and I am uh, G. Keith Alexander. And we thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to download us onto your phone or download us onto your TV. Just search Harlem America for your uh, phone or for your TV. I thank you. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480 553 7-4-1 today.
listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment. And health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Don't forget, we're on uh, Roku. We're on Amazon Fire TV. We're on Apple TV and Android TV and YouTube. So our guest today, our special guest is Mr. Ty Jones, the producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem. And uh, Ty, you're going to tell us about this uh, new uh, uh, project you're working on called Monte Cristo. Yes. So Monte Cristo is essentially animated classics. The, The reason why it came up is because I have three kids in school and these last two years have been a huge challenge. And so I think it's fair to say that a lot of youth today are are facing unprecedented educational challenges. So then the question becomes, you know, especially when when it comes to arts, how do we capture these young scholars where they are, right? And so we did some research. Um, 93% of today's young viewers are actually online. Uh, America has the highest demand for animation outside of Japan. And I am somebody who believes that when you master the language of classics, it sets young scholars up for success. So um, the idea is to, you know, animate, animation distributed online, I think is an ideal method to expose these young scholars to the classics. So the, 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 the overall idea is for CTH to, to bridge the educational demand with the pop, pop, popular generation, genre excuse me, of animation. So a, 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 a 21st century solution to connect these young minds with the lessons and language of great literature. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What I'd like to do is uh, I'm going to share my screen with you. And okay. what we did is that we put together uh, a sizzle reel of, of what this could look like. And um, if uh, hopefully I think I do have. Uh, yeah, I'm going to share this with your viewers, what we put together. And um, hopefully you can see. All right, here we go. So this 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 is called this one. This I'm just going nice. to let, let it play, and it's, it's my Wi-Fi should be working just fine, and I'm going to, it's only 60 seconds. Here we go. Two households, both alike in dignity, from ancient grudge break to near mutiny. Peace! You know not what you do! Talk of peace! I hate the word! <laughs> All men, depart! A pair of star-crossed lovers. What lady is that? What is he on? Gentleman. His name is Romeo and a Montague, son of your great enemy. Is she a Capulet? Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? I know not how to tell thee who I am. Call me but love, and I'll be new baptized. Tibbald, you her! The prince expressly has forbidden fighting in Verona's streets. Oh. I am fortune's fool. All right. So well, now uh, it, it looks like it's, it's Romeo in the ghetto or in an urban setting. So for those uh, 
uh, of our audience members who aren't watching uh, via uh, our TV network, explain to those who are listening on our radio podcast what we've just seen. So what we did is that we did a 60-second scissor reel of Romeo and Juliet. So the ultimate idea is to take uh, these classics. We'd like to take 10 titles, do 80-minute versions of each one of those titles, and they would be set up very similar to the way the animation content is already set up on multiple platforms like Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV. And the way they're set up is that, let's just say that the 80 minutes is divvied up into eight 10-minute sections. And the way classic plays are, are, are also designed is that acts and scenes automatically allow you to, to break these things down in 10-minute segments. We can also supplement that with a curriculum. So if we have these 10 titles all packaged, mm -hmm. the idea is to take that package, go directly to schools. Schools then have a subscription to that package. And as long as kids are going to school, they will, it'll be a recurring uh, subscription that goes to CTH. Um, and so it, it's actually creating another revenue uh, uh, stream for C CTH. It's going to take some time. You know, animation isn't uh, 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 inexpensive to do. But with that said, with the subscription model, you hope that you'll have residual uh, and that it pays for itself over time. But that's, that's essentially what you guys heard was a 60-second sizzle reel of Romeo and Juliet. And hopefully that sizzle reel is what enrolls people and, and all these you know, companies and corporations and banks and stuff like that that say that they have this money set aside, uh, you know, especially for organizations that are led by you know, people of color um, and, and I, that, that have an impact not only with teachers, but with students and school systems as well. The animation uh, looks very good, uh, very nice quality to the animation. Yeah, the idea behind the animation too, G. Keith, pardon me for interrupting you, um, is that there's so many different types of animation. And so there's so many different types of stories. So the animation that you just saw with Romeo and Juliet doesn't necessarily have to be the same animation for like Three Musketeers. It could be completely different. Um, and another thing that we learned is that kids will, uh, young scholars, young, young folks will consume any type of animation. They, you know, one of the popular things right now is called Minecraft. And Minecraft was like the early days of when we were looking at, you know, digital <laughs> content, you know what I mean? So it's fascinating to see, um, uh, you know, how far along in terms of graphic novels and things of that nature, animation has come. But it's crystal clear that they'll even consume the things that, you know, the, the, the five-year-old version of us was looking, was looking at back in the day, so. Wow, incredible. You are quite a, uh, an entrepreneur, a visionary, and uh, this is wonderful how you uh, envision taking the classics to the kids. Trying wow. to, yeah, yeah. Incredible. So, uh, Ty. Yep. Let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Do you have any regrets? Uh, anything that you had to to give up to become Ty Jones that we know today? So I think that's a great question, a fantastic question. And what I'll say is this, I don't have any regrets. Have I made mistakes? Sure. Um, but I really like me. I really do. I like me. So if all those things had to happen beforehand, how I was brought up and all those things, the, 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 the breakup of my, my mother and father, if that, all that stuff had to happen to make the me that I am right now, then so be it. 
You know, um, <laughs> they say, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And, you know, so I, I'll never really be able to give someone a formula or anything like that. All I can say is uh, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you choose to do, just know why you're doing it. If you're getting married, know why you're getting married. If you're going to have children, know why you're doing it. And I think that that's just one of the things that a lot of people don't do is just take the time to break down why you're doing what you're doing. I talk to young um, you know, folks in, in, in graduate programs all the time who you know, wanna be actors, but they don't actually take the time to say why. And I'm okay if you're like, I just wanna be famous. If that's your why, then great. I mean, Madonna said something like that back in the day where she was like, I wanna rule the world, you know? And she did what she needed to do to get exactly that. You know what I mean? So if that's what you want, great. But, but, but you got to be authentic with yourself. It's a real simple answer. You know, it's not a, you know, oh, it called me and that's what I'm doing and all this. It's like, no, get, get to the, because, <laughs> you know, what it comes down to is this. There's going to be those days where you're not fulfilled for whatever reason. If you go back to your why, then you know that you've got a well to pump from. You know what I'm saying? Right. The why is the fuel. So, uh, so to answer your question, do I have any real regrets? I really don't. Um, you know, I could, you know, enumerate some mistakes and stuff like that. But uh, I like me. And if all stuff had to happen to make the person that I am right now, I'm good with it. So, okay, your, I enjoy calling you Dr. Jones, because it, it just reminds me. I enjoy me hearing of, it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it. It reminds me of uh, on Indiana Jones when, when, when the bad guy sees Indiana and goes, Ah, Dr. Jones. Yeah. So, yeah. So now you became Dr. Jones and you gave this wonderful commencement uh, speech. What was it about? What, what was the, uh, the essence, the core of the speech? That um, we are all far more alike than we are different. And if we take the time to uh, learn about one another, we can all sing from the same sheet of music. It's basically <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, I'm, I'm, I had the privilege because of my mother's service in the military of living all over the world. And no matter where I live, we need the basics, you know? We need food, we need a, a place to live, we need love, we need shelter. I mean, it's really basic. And, and, and the in-between of all those things, it's yours. You get to decide all the in-between, you know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who believes in the social contract. I believe that they're, you know, putting rules and, and policy and laws in the place to make sure that we can all find a way to live together, you know, creating a consensus, you know, and a consensus means not everybody's going to agree necessarily, but creating a consensus around whatever it is that you believe um, and you strategize and you mobilize and then you execute and it's, and it's wash, rinse and repeat. That, that's the way we can all live together. And, um, and so I told that class of 2020 that they're the most consequential class um, probably in living memory because they literally need to create a new social contract for folks. You know, the, the original uh, uh, contracts, they, they, they seem to not work anymore. So we need smart, young folks who, uh, with some ambition, uh, to, to devise a way to find ways that we can work together. I mean, you know, uh, uh, when, when people created this country, or, you know, were able to, you know, build this country back in those days, there weren't a lot. Of, we were the ones that built it. We aren't credited for it. We built it. But, you know, those, those so-called founding fathers and so on and so forth, uh, they did do some smart things. They, they said, you know, uh, uh, 
what it, what it was to try to create a nation. And in doing so, um, it, it means that we have to have some rules of the road, you know, and um, there they left open the opportunity to change the rules of the road. And I think that things have happened so much within the last two years. You know, we need these young folks to step up in a way uh, uh, to, to put some new rules of the road down. And we're going to have to come to some consensus about it. And um, that's it. That's basically what I told them about. Y'all should go check it out, though. It's really good. Where, 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 where can we find it? Oh, man. Um, I, could, I could put a link in the chat. But if you actually search, like, Ty Jones, Delaware commencement speech, something will pop up. And, um, and you'll be able to see the speech. The speech is only 14 minutes long. And, um, and I keep it moving. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I encourage, you know, never thought I'd say something like that. But, yeah, I encourage y'all uh, out there to go check it out. Who would you like to work with? Um, interesting. That's another great question, too. I've, I've had the opportunity to work with some really fantastic people, some high-profile people. Um, I think uh, at, at this point, I would love to, I mean, I actually have worked with her, but it was a different capacity. I, I'd love to, like, be in a creative room with uh, Courtney Kemp. Courtney Kemp is the, 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 the creator of Power, and, mm -hmm. you know, all the spinoffs are because of her. Uh, like I said, she's just a uniquely intelligent human being. Like I really truly believe she could have chosen any profession and she'd be at the top, whether, you know, medical field, you know, if she were an attorney, if she were a politician, she's just sharp like that. So I'd love to be sort of in a creative room with her, uh, mainly to sort of mine the jewels of her mind, you know? Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed spending this time with you and finding out more about the Classical Theater of Harlem and uh, the upcoming uh, event in July. Yeah. And uh, also uh, letting people know that uh, there, there's a way to support you as well. This has been great. Uh, we are out of time right now. And I just want to say to everyone listening, Thank you so very, very much. Those of you who will be watching this on Harlem America TV, we'll have it uh, posted in probably about another week because we have to take it to post. But the audio, uh, the podcast uh, will be available in about maybe uh, an hour or so on our website at harlemamerica.com. Thank you also very much for listening. Ty, thank you again. And ladies and gentlemen, have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walk the mile in his or her shoes. And remember, life is tough, but you're tougher. Thank you for listening and watching What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. See you next Friday. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh, oh.